0: Simber Quinn grew up in a deeply abusive family environment. There was no escaping what was happening, so she turned to music and beauty as a way of coping. Just as many children or adults turn to music when they are feeling lonely or hopeless. This is an interview that is not only going to encourage and inspire you, But you are going to love the special treat that Simber is going to share with us today.
1: Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham.
0: Simber Quinn is a transformational music coach specializing in harp, piano, and voice. She weaves world, classical, jazz, and nature into soundscapes of inner peace. That just has such a beautiful flow to it. I love the way you worded that, Simber. It's beautiful. Thank you. Now, 15 years ago, she left the corporate world when an illness prevented her to continue, and then she returned to her first love, and that is music and the harp. Welcome, Simber.
2: Thank you, Carol. It's so great to be here. I'm delighted to share my story. And not
0: only your story, we are going to have you share a little bit of your music with us today, which is something in the eight years that I have done this podcast I have not done so this is going to be really exciting and a little bit different and I thank you for offering that so let's start with your backstory a little bit as I shared in the beginning about your growing up years and why you turned to music what drew you there and tell us what happened
2: so, as you mentioned, I grew up in a really abusive family. It was very difficult to be a girl. My parents wanted me to be a boy. And they treated me like a boy until I was 12, when it was really obvious that I wasn't a boy, and then I became nobody in the family. And in those years, uh, I grew up in a town where we still had daily musical education at school, and I had a wonderful teacher, so I spent a my time yeah we had daily art physical education and music and I had the same music teacher from kindergarten through eighth grade so I had very consistent musical education growing up um, in public school in Colorado so um I took piano lessons when I was a kid. I sang a lot. I played lots of different instruments. My parents were very musical. My brother and sister, younger brother and sister, are also very musical. And uh, But at the same time, my parents were very perfectionistic. It was impossible to make them happy. Hmm. I knew that I had done well at a performance when I got silence in the car on the way home. But more often than not, I'd hear about you know, some mistake I made at measure 64, or, you know, why didn't you practice more? Or why didn't you play better? Or, you know, just was not an encouraging kind of situation for me. And um, yeah.
0: Now, did that deter you? Or did that motivate you?
2: It deterred me for 27 years. <laughs> I left music when I was 15, because I couldn't take the pressure anymore. And even though probably had the environment been different, I would have gone to music school and, and gone down the path of music that way. I was so afraid. I was so afraid of my parents, first of all, that I thought that music teachers at college would be like that. And oh, i okay too scared to too scared to become a music major. So I became a journalism major and an English major instead, which were the buildings were right next door to the music school. So I could always hear them practicing and feeling fine, <laughs> in my heart to be there, but too scared in my head to go. Uh, but I went to all the concerts and I had a lot of musical friends when I was in school and college. So I set off in a career in writing the first part of my life. I worked as a journalist and then I worked in marketing and eventually found my way into high tech marketing and worked for Hewlett Packard and IBM and Apple and you know other names that your listeners would probably recognize and then it all kind of came crashing down in my mid-30s when I was diagnosed with endometriosis which if you know some of your listeners know that this is an incurable disease it's doesn't kill you but it makes you miserable and it made me infertile and i found that i i had multiple surgeries to try to correct this problem my life was becoming more and more miserable i just dreaded having periods every month and eventually the doctor said you need a hysterectomy so when i was 38 I had a total hysterectomy and they said, you'll be back. You'll be, you know, you'll bounce right back. Well, I didn't. I uh, did not bounce back. I, they, You'll be back in two weeks. I thought, I'll be back in two weeks. And then it was like two months. And I thought, okay, two months. And then eventually it was like, I cannot go back to that lifestyle. It's too too intense, too many long hours, too something. But, But I just couldn't make myself go back.
0: Let me just stop you here for a second. When you say go back, are you referring to your job?
2: Yeah, okay. I
0: couldn't
2: go to work. Okay. I couldn't guarantee my employers that I could be there on any given day. So, And I wasn't sure what was happening. I, at the time, had the luxury of being married to someone who could take care of me so that I, I could, I didn't need to work. And so then I went to work on myself, and this was the big turning point for me, and find the thing that gave you joy. And I, at that point, it had been so long, it had been 27 years, I wasn't sure what that was, but I was willing to do the work. I was willing to go and look. So I went out into the world, and I tried a little of this, and I tried a little of that. It was like Dr. Seuss. It's like, are you my purpose? Are you my purpose? Are you my purpose? And then one day, not maybe three or four months into this search, it was around the holidays, I opened up a Christmas catalog and I saw the harp. And I thought, oh, <laughs> that's it. I had this mind-blowing memory of being six years old. When my parents had taken us to the symphony. And that night, the harpist had a solo and she was out in front on the stage. And we were sitting really close. I could hear her dress kind of rustling as she walked up to her harp and she sat down and she played something I can't tell you what it was now so magical it felt like it was touching my skin it felt like it was entering my body it was this totally transformative experience and a couple weeks later I told my parents that's what I want to do I want to play the harp and like I said they were not great parents but they were great musicians And they took me to meet her, the principal harpist of the Denver Symphony Orchestra, at her home. And I got to touch her harps, and I got to meet a real harpist, and I got so excited.
0: What do you think specifically attracted you to the harp that just seemed to draw you?
2: You know, harpists talk about this calling when they hear the harp, and it happens for a lot of them around age six. I don't know why age six, but that the music is so transformative. It took me to a completely different world where I wanted to live all the time. I wanted to be in that harp magic world uh, every minute I could. And so when I heard that harpist playing, I thought that's what I wanna do.
0: That is so interesting. I have never heard that before. And I I, I don't think there's anybody that does not like the harp it is so beautiful
2: I haven't met anybody yet who said oh no the harp yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, everybody goes gooey when I tell them I play the harp like, oh oh I love the harp I love the harp They're like yeah, me too yay
0: how long did it take you to learn
2: so then I so once I had that epiphany okay then I realized okay I'm gonna do this because now I'm a grown-up I learned uh, Oh, part of the story. Part of the reason I didn't learn harp when I was six was because the teacher told me I needed to learn piano first. So I did. That's why I took piano lessons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but I also quit like a lot of people do. So here I am an adult. I'm in my early forties, 42 to be exact. And I'm looking at myself and I'm saying, okay, I learned piano. I'm an adult. There's no one here to tell me. No, I'm going for it. I live in Hawaii. Not the harp capital of the yeah, world. I'm no I kidding. Shot. So this was 15 years ago. I went out on the internet. You know, Googling wasn't even a verb back then. Zoom didn't exist. And I talked, I emailed a bunch of teachers and said, will someone please teach me on Skype? And that's Really
0: how I, interesting.
2: That's how I learned to play. So, because I had a musical background, the learning came Mm -hmm, mm completely for me. It took me about three years to the point where my teacher said, "Okay, you're ready. Go get students."
0: Is it similar like the strings to guitar or violin or?
2: It's a stringed instrument. Yes, Um, it's closer to the piano. If you think about a grand piano, okay. That inside the grand piano, all those strings in there is literally called the harp of the piano. That's right. Yes. So the harp is kind of the grandmother to the piano, but it's plucked with the fingers like uh, like a guitar or sometimes violins will pluck, too. Um, And it's considered a stringed instrument like those instruments are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then I started taking students and started teaching and started playing out, gigging. I mostly at that time was playing for art galleries, and um, played weddings, played funerals, and then just would go out because I have a like, I have some indoor harps and I have some outdoor harps. I would go down to the place where the people walk, you know, all, where the, all the walkers right, walk, right, right, downtown Hilo, Hawaii, and I would just sit on the sidewalk and play for them just because I liked being outdoors and playing for them. So I did that for several years too.
0: What type of music do you play on the harp? Like is there more than one type or is it basically one?
2: Uh, No, there are all kinds of types of music you can play on the harp. There's a whole world of Celtic music and folk music that's kind of Irish, Scottish, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, Welsh, English um, that's uh, really folk, considered folk music or people's music and then there's a whole world of classical music that's concert harpists who play with orchestras or play in ensembles and play uh, written that's music that's been composed specifically for them and then uh, there's healing music and when I signed up when I decided okay I'm going to play the harp there was only one teacher who said yes to me after all the teachers that I one. No one taught online back then. No one. One teacher said yes to me. So I learned what she taught and what she taught was healing harp. And that's what I first learned was healing harp. So in that, um, when you're a healing harpist, you play at bedside in hospitals and hospice. Sometimes you go to people's homes and play.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
2: And there's a very strong connection between the harp and its healing qualities that's mentioned in the Bible is mentioned in all kinds of ancient texts. The Egyptians talk about it. The Greeks talk about it. In if you look at old paintings of of healing scenes, often there's a harpist there, who's playing for the person who is ailing or dying.
0: Does the harp come in different sizes?
2: Sure does. Um, a lot of people think of the concert harp, which is the big giant six right, foot right. Tall queen of the queen of the harps. So I have one of those. And then I have um, smaller Celtic style harps that are more portable. I actually have little tiny harps that fit in the overhead bin in an airplane. And my cutest, tiniest little one has just 22 strings. And it's, I take it to parties.
0: <laughs> and how many strings does the big one have?
2: 47. Oh,
0: you're kidding. no wonder I see the relation now with that on the piano. Interesting. And what does it weigh, the big one?
2: The big one is 100 pounds. Oh,
0: yeah. that's why it doesn't go out very often.
2: Exactly. My little tiny one weighs four pounds. Oh, my word. That's so
0: interesting. Never, Never thought about even asking anybody about this before because I've never known a harpist. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Now, was it difficult to break into the music industry as a harpist?
2: Yes, I will say it's difficult for all musicians. You have to be dedicated. Right. You have to practice a lot just to know your instrument really, really well. And then you kind of have to have nerves of steel to go out there and be rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and play teensy, teensy little gigs that hardly pay anything or be willing to record your own music. You have to be crafty and resourceful. And, and this is why it's best if it's a calling, if you're going to go out and do it as a full-time, uh, full-time uh, gig. And then the other piece of it for me, as, and this is true for most full-time musicians as they teach, to as part, right. part partially to supplement their income, but also partially because when you're teaching, you're playing better yourself.
0: We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I want you to share about your coaching and your podcast and how to reclaim your life purpose. You are passionate about this and our listeners are going to be able to experience, not only listening to some of your harp music, which I'm so excited about sharing today, but also how they can change their life purpose, possibly even after 40. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, so we will be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another, gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. What you have shared so far, Simber, is so interesting, just for the, the facts about the harp, which I wasn't even aware, but your story too, and how music what changed your life now even though you were brought up in music and many people are but it really did change your life it gave your life focus it certainly is your passion and i know that there are many people who possibly would you say hide in their music because of what is going on around them
2: yeah for sure i I think a lot of uh, a lot of people find solace in music it's easy to uh to to do music alone as a soloist or in solitude you don't have to be out in a group you can you can be making your music these days on your computer or you know hiding in your bedroom a a lot of music musicians that i think have started that way as kids and then eventually became just so good at it that they decided and and brave um, went out and started playing professionally but they started in hiding in their bedrooms from whatever situation was going on at home
0: now you also received some awards correct i have
2: received awards yes tell us
0: about those
2: i i received uh, five big island music awards for my for my cds that i put together and i was also named a music achiever by the national association of pen women and um so those are the, probably the two biggest ones. I've also been featured on National Public Radio and Hawaii Public Radio.
0: How do you help people over 40 to reclaim their life purpose?
2: So this, I would encourage your listeners to do what I did, not necessarily music, but follow three steps that I figured out after I kind of sat back and said, wow, here I am. How did I do this? The first step is to go back into your childhood and find that thing that gave you joy. And you're looking specifically for a time before the world said no, before people started putting limitations yeah. on you, before any before any of that started happening. So for one of my clients, I said, What did what did you like to do when you were a kid? And she said, I love to teach. I set up my teddy bears and um, some of them I even re- roped in some of my friends and I taught them the alphabet. I taught them how to read. And now as an adult, she's a financial advisor and she teaches people how to manage their money and, you know, and, and live their life. So for me, it was music, you know, that was the thing that I loved the most when I was a kid. So that's the first step is to go back and find that place of joy, come from a place of joy, and then the second step is to make a tiny adult version of that. Like, how could you <laughs> do that thing, that, that joyful thing, in a small version right now? Don't quit your job, you know, but do do it. Maybe if, you're, if you loved painting as a kid, you loved art as a kid, go to a wine and paint thing. Or take a, an art class. That start making making art in some way and don't judge yourself too much i mean when i first started playing harp i had completely forgotten how to read music so i had to relearn how to read music and um and i didn't play i didn't play very well when i first started i played for some of my friends i am like look at me i'm playing harp and like, well it's a beautiful instrument <laughs> But don't give up and don't be too hard on yourself because you're doing something that you haven't done since you were a kid, probably. And then the third step is when you're ready to take it big into the world. And that can take so many different forms. It might mean that you like really big you do you quit your job and you, this becomes the thing you do full time or you, you, and you start a for-profit company or you start a nonprofit company or you become like the the big volunteer person that this, this thing becomes the driving force in your life. It becomes, it takes over everything else as, as you know, if you had a job, it's like, well, that job just isn't as interesting as it used to be. Now this is the passion, the fire, the thing that pushes you forward. And so that's what I, when I work with people, that's what I help them do is like, well, we're just going to take those three, three steps. We're going to start with what gave you joy. Let's make a mini version of it right now and then make the decision. Or is it something that you want to take it, take big, okay, I'll help you take it big. If it's something you're like, you know, I'm happy with the mini version, great. You just stop there and and keep doing the mini version and, and inc- incorporate it into your existing life. But the important part is you're doing your passion. You're doing it.
0: Yes, yes. As you were talking, I was thinking, if you don't do that, you'll always wish you had.
2: That's right. And that's deadly. You know, you ask people who are on their deathbeds what their regrets are. That's one of them if they didn't do their passion they didn't give time to their passion they're like oh i wish i had done that and i want every one of your listeners to get to the end of their life and say i did it i did it
0: and if you fail in your own eyes you still can say you've done it correct
2: that's true and i have i have very strong feelings about failure Failure is just the step on the way to. I agree. That's why I threw that out there. I knew you would address that. Absolutely. So speak to that. Yeah. So part of um, you have to, when you start thinking about failure, you have to start addressing how you're measuring yourself. Are you measuring yourself against the best harpist in the world? Okay. That, you know, that's not fair. That's not fair to yourself. And it's, and it's, you are going to feel failure. But if you're measuring yourself against yourself today, I'm better than I was yesterday. Okay. I fell down. It didn't go as well as I wanted to. What did I learn? How can I make it better? That's really where, when I'm working with my students, I say, it's not failure. You're trying, you're learning. And each step of the way there's going to be missteps. But then the important thing that you got to learn out of failure is how to pick yourself up again, try again, Try it again, try it again, try it again, and you'll get it, and then you can, and then you can go on from there. But if you take it from the point of view of I'm not as good as somebody famous mm-hmm. doing it a very long time, um, and by the way, you've talked to that somebody famous who's been doing it a very long time, they'll tell you all about their failures.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's how they got there. <laughs> That's right. Now you offer coaching as well, correct?
2: I do. I do offer coaching. Um, I particularly like working with people who uh want me to work towards music, but I would definitely work with anybody who is struggling with what is it that what is it in the first place? you know I can't even get to that joy place uh and help them build from there okay, and you do this online I do this online, yep. I I now that's I I learned on Skype I showed up every Wednesday for my lesson at 1230 but now I work on zoom and uh, record all the sessions so that everybody can go back and listen to all the tasty tidbits that come out in those conversations
0: that's that's excellent excellent and are, are they like your coaching sessions how long do they last and how long are you usually with a student
2: uh, well, so for coaching sessions, we usually do, uh, I usually do either a one month, one month, two month or three months, depending on, you know, what the person is, how okay. deep the wants to go. Um, and then sessions are an hour long, once a week, uh, and they're recorded. And um, they again, we're following these three steps. So I've given you all the secret sauce. There's, we just talk about those, we talk about those three things in depth so that, um, it really, the person, the, the client can really embody that. And we address the fears. We address the, the fears of failure. We, if they if they stay with me long enough, there's going to be some failures that we'll work through together. And, um, Yeah. So that's so that's like the basic coaching package. If they're musicians and they want to keep studying, that can go on forever. Okay, okay. And you're working with me towards a performance that they're doing or, um, you know, some kind of composition that they're working on or, you know. Yeah, that kind of musical kinds of, of goals.
0: Well, as we promised our audience, could you give us a teaser or a taster?
2: I'd be delighted <laughs> let me move my beautiful this is on the big harp first of all this is the this is what everybody knows <laughs>
0: my goodness talk about relaxing that's phenomenal
2: It's not wonderful so when yes. I do first, I tell people right up front, I say someone is going to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> bless them that they trust the room enough to sleep here. And bless them that they are so exhausted that this music is, is relaxing them and that they, they, they're going to sleep. Exactly. So, uh, I'm never offended when someone sleeps. Enough. No, that's funny. <laughs> now, what about your podcast? Explain a little bit about that. So my podcast is called Relaxing Harp Music, and it's all, all places that podcasts are are produced on Amazon and uh, other places, iHeartRadio and other places. And it's just music. I don't talk. It's relaxing harp music, and I put out um, new music. It's all um, composed by me, played by me, usually improvised in the moment, and addressing whatever energies are in the world at the moment. And um, about 15 minutes a session and you can just put it on and and relax and and enjoy the music
0: so everything is composed by you yes amazing yes and and you do this how often
2: i, I post something new about twice a month
0: okay perfect and we'll have all those links of course in the show notes and you also have cds available correct
2: I do have CDs available. There are um, very few CD players left, (laughs) I will say. Uh, But you can download my music from my website and I'll give you the links for that as well. I recorded my first season. The first uh, CD is called Seasons of the Soul, and that is um, composed around... The traditional Chinese medicine view of the seasons. So I compose music for early summer, late summer, fall, winter, and spring. Then uh, my second CD is called Time Tinctures, and they're shorter pieces that are specific for uh, um, specific things like there's music for grieving, there's music for joy, there's music for pensiveness or thoughtfulness, there's music for um, oh gosh, all kinds of all kinds of different emotional states to help balance all these different emotional states. And then my third CD is called Spa in a Box. Uh, and this one I envisioned that you would go into your bathroom, light a candle, fill the bathtub with bubbles, and put this music on and have like a little home spa experience with the music playing in the background. I'm looking, in fact, for partners who sell candles, bath soaps, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. stuff like that because i would love to team up with some some of those folks and, and put it together in one package that um, people could have the, um, to take with them into the bathroom
0: so if anybody out there is would be interested in connecting with you about that they certainly can so well simber this has been really different it uh, it has been entertaining it has been relaxing it has been motivating definitely encouraging and educational. You're kind of like the the whole package. and We definitely are going to put all those links on the webpage so that people can connect with you in whatever way they want to. Get your CDs. Definitely listen to your podcast. Thank you again. I really appreciate your story, what you shared, what you are offering, and also if you need coaching and understanding and learning how to reclaim your life purpose those links are also in the show notes and thank you simber so much for being on
2: never ever give up hope thank you so much for having me carol i really appreciate it
1: thank you for listening to never ever give up hope featuring carol graham Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.